Welcome to the Cathedral of the Rockies. My name is Pastor Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is the All Means All podcast. And it's our hope that you have found a church home. And if you have, that means you can worship with us. That means you can serve with us. That means you can give with us. Check out the website, cathedraloftherockies.org, and you'll find ways to do just all that as you join us in worship. So we had a lot of fun with our Gospel According to the Beatles series the last five weeks. If you missed some of that, you can go catch it on All Means All podcast, or you can go to the YouTube channel and watch those, and, and you can begin to lobby me for next year. Because some folks have said, well, you didn't even get to the good songs, <laughs> right? And so if you have good Beatles tunes that you wish we would do, you've got 12 months to lobby me, all right? And maybe next August again, we'll hit the gospel according to the Beatles. There were some songs that didn't make the cut, like Helter Skelter, <laughs> um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, Wild Honey Pie, Octopus Garden. There was another list too that we didn't get to use, but you have some time. So today we start a new journey. We're on a new series. Maybe you know the old African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We believe as a church, we were made to go together. I mean, it's why we, even after two years of isolation, it's why we hunger to come into the room to be together. There's some energy that takes place when we're together, even when we don't fully know each other well. And the other way we get to know each other well is when we say, you know what? I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. And I'm going to join a Sunday school class, a small group, a ministry group. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and, and, and get on the praise team or join the, the, the youth choir or bring my kids to children's choir. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and get connected to one another. The Bible is full of all kinds of prescriptions for us to live life together. We're starting with three rules for the journey is what we're calling this. Listen to these one another's. Starting in John, love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. That one we need to hear. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Again, live in harmony. The writer of Hebrews gives us another journey in the same direction. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Let's put the scripture up on the screen and I invite you to read these holy words out loud with me. Let's read them together. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now. Yeah, how do we encourage one another? Our founder, John Wesley, 250 years ago, this Anglican pastor, as he was trying to, to build a church that could make a difference, 
he, he gave us this phrase. He said, there is no holiness except social holiness. What's he saying? He's saying the Christian life was meant to be lived together. That we must journey together. We must do the one another's. We must partner with each other together. He gave us three simple rules. Do no harm. Do good. And stay in love with God. Bishop Reuben Job, who kind of captured these in a little book a few years ago, says this about trying to live, do no harm. He says, when I commit myself to this way, I must see each person as a child of God, a recipient of love, unearned, unmerited, undeserved, just like myself. This is why we as a church have said, all people matter to God. All people matter to God. And we've tried to live into that and we've tried to understand what that means and, and some days it takes work. On this Pride weekend, a number of our folks are marching in the Pride parade. Why? Because all people matter to God. Now we posted an image on social media. I don't know if you have it. We posted one of the ones, that's one of them. Uh, there's another one that just says, Cathedral of the Rockies supports pride. And when we posted that, in a day, over 4,000 people liked it. Now, not everybody liked it. <laughs> not everybody agreed. We always, just like anybody else, we have our detractors. We have people who have different opinions, and that's okay. You can have a different opinion, but we would tell you if you're part of this church, all people matter to God. One person pushed back on social media and said, so you support pedophilia. Now, they were talking to me and you, and I said, why don't you meet me at Pride, and we'll meet the people at Pride and have a conversation. I mean, how do we do no harm? It would have been real easy, actually. You know, there is a button when you're the one in charge of the space that says, hide. Not me, hide them, <laughs> right? I can hide their post if I don't like what they say. I can actually, if I want to, I can go there and not only hide them, I can ban them. And that, wow, that's power. Who knew I had so much power? And some days, wouldn't it be easier just to ban everybody we disagreed with and only have a conversation with everybody who shook their head when we talked? But that's not the world. The world is full of different opinions. Our families are full of different, the church is full of different opinions. And so to do no harm, sometimes we gotta say, you know what, maybe we need to have a conversation. Maybe we need to have uh, a chance to listen to each other. I would encourage you, though, if you are on social media, go get that post, grab it, and share it, and remind people that all people matter to God. Let me take you to a text today. This is a story of the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew chapter 15. It's a fascinating story. It's also in the Gospel of Mark, and it starts like this. Here's the text. From there, Jesus took a trip to Tyre and Sidon. This is modern-day Lebanon. They had hardly arrived when a Canaanite woman came down from the hills and pleaded, Mercy, Master, Son of David, 
My daughter is cruelly afflicted by an evil spirit. Now I think you need to look at the map to get a sense of where is Jesus as he's traveling. So he's, he is in Israel. He's beyond, actually, he's beyond Israel. He's gone north beyond Galilee. Go way up and look to the left. You'll find Tyre and Sidon. So way north out of Israel. And Jesus has this moment where a Canaanite woman comes down from the hills, pleads Mercy, master, son. I mean, she's got the title right. She's done her homework. She's heard he's a healer. She approaches, she uses, some people even say, a sign of worship, son of David, have mercy on me. It's a normal request, isn't it? I mean, when we think of Jesus, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is a healer. I mean, Jesus, if we look in chapter four, Jesus heals the sick. In chapter 8, Jesus heals a man who has leprosy. Lord, if you are willing, he says, you can make me clean. Jesus heals the centurion's servant when he asks. In chapter 9, Jesus heals the paralyzed man who's brought to him on a mat, the woman who touches the hem of his garment. In chapter 12, he heals the one with the withered hand. Jesus is clearly a healer. Mercy, Master, Son of David, my daughter needs your healing. Now, with everything you know about Jesus, and we get to the beginning of the story, we, we can tell what's going to happen next. We expect Jesus to go, she's healed. Your faith has made you well. Go. Everything's all right. He might touch her, whatever, that healing's going to come. I mean, that's our expectation. But Matthew chapter 15 and verse 23, here's the line. Jesus ignored her. Jesus ignored her is that doing no harm gosh the world would be a lot easier if I could just ignore the people who are outside of my political views outside of my theological views outside of my economic views outside fill in the blank wouldn't the world be easier if we could just ignore them what's going on why is Jesus Silent. Ken Bailey, who grew up in the Middle East, he's an American, but his parents were missionaries. He too's a scholar, and he writes this about this text. He says, A sincere foreign woman seeks help from Jesus. At first, he ignores her. Then he appears to exhibit racism and sensitivity to her suffering as he insults her in public. I mean, all of a sudden, you go, What? That's not our blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, <laughs> right? Where, where is our blonde-haired, blue-eyed Ken? Are you sure? The text continues, Matthew 15, verse 23. Now the disciples come to him and complain, she's bothering us. Would you take care of her? She's driving us crazy. Don't you love the honesty of the text? Anyone who's ever worked with people anywhere has had this moment, right? The, if you're a teacher, the kids are driving me crazy. If you're in retail, the people, the customers are driving me crazy. If you're a doctor, the patients are driving me crazy. I mean, we've all, if you're in the church, oh, how good church would be if the people didn't drive you crazy. We've all had this moment where we say, God, the people are driving me crazy. 
Brian McLaren writes, it is difficult to make love for neighbor, self, and earth, and God your life's highest ambition. It's difficult to do no harm. So Jesus has traveled north to Tyre and Sidon, and these are code names. When people in Israel heard he was in Tyre, this was a code name for Jesus. He's with the unbelievers. He's in pagan land. Unbelief. And he's met by this persistent woman, a Canaanite woman. And he doesn't respond. He ignores her. You might say in some ways, of course he ignores her. She's the stranger. She's the outsider by religion, by race, by gender. Jesus has been taught by religion and race that she doesn't value. She's no value to you. And when people hear Canaanite, they understood dangerous. I mean, it'd be like, as we reflect on it would be like if someone who was a perpetrator on 9-11 said, I need your help. No, you're dangerous. Your people are dangerous. I mean, 150 times or more in the New Testament, when you read of Canaanites, it's always bad. <laughs> they are never in good light in the scripture. You might go back to even the book of Genesis with Noah, the, the story of the flood. After the flood, there's, there's a little drunkenness. And you can imagine, if you've been in an ark for a while, there might be some drunkenness. There's some nakedness that takes place. And then uh, he's, he, he has a confrontation with his son, Ham, the father of Canaan. And he says to him, cursed be you, Canaan. You are the lowest of all. May Canaan always be the slave of his brother. Sometimes in our anger, we other a group. Sometimes in an anger, we lash out. Sometimes in an anger, we teach hatred. The Canaanite woman comes screaming to Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is afflicted by an evil spirit. And Jesus is silent. Maybe, maybe Jesus is setting up the disciples. I mean, maybe his silence isn't an affront to the woman. Maybe he's going, look, these guys have traveled with me for a couple years. They've seen me heal over and over again. They've seen me break barriers and talk to women and heal women. They've seen me talk to Canaanites. They've seen me work with Gentiles. This is their chance. Maybe he's setting them up. You hear the need? I'm going to wait. I'm going to see if you respond, Jesus is silent. There is a truth taught to us by this persistent woman. The truth is when we see everyone as a child of God, it changes things. What the disciples do is not very impressive. In the silence that Jesus gives them, in the chance to respond, they just go, Jesus, you need to do something. She, she's bothering us. She's driving us crazy. Jesus responds to the woman. Verse 24. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Again, let that sink in a moment. You can read it as Jesus going, hey, I've got a very defined mission and you're not part of it. 
Or you can read it again as Jesus setting the disciples up to go, wait a minute, Jesus, you, just, you healed the centurions. Per, you know, I mean, we, Jesus, we've seen you cross this barrier. But there's silence. The woman kneels in front of Jesus and she says, Lord, help me. And then Jesus replies again. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. It's fun to watch how the scholars try to make this better. <laughs> I mean, we just don't know what to do when Jesus is not our, our, our blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. We don't know what to do when Jesus is a little tough. We don't know what to do when Jesus seems to be growing. Some people can't take it, and so a lot of scholars go, well, you know, actually the Greek says house dog. Does that make it better? She's not a big dog. She's the house. She's a beloved dog. The woman replies, Yes, Lord, even the house dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus answers her request. Woman, you have great faith. Your prayers have been answered. And then Matthew, to make sure we understand it, says, at that moment, her daughter was healed. I mean, in this moment, Jesus models for us that, that women, women outside the barrier have a right to health care. Women matter. Jesus models for us that love doesn't know race or religion or sexuality is a boundary. Gentile lives matter, he might say. How do we live in a way that does no harm. This is hard. This is not easy stuff. I've shared her book before, Sarah Bauer Anderson, who's the daughter of Gary Bauer. He was a presidential, uh, he sought the presidency in, in around uh, 2000 uh, in the United States. He was a prominent politician. He was a Reagan appointee. She grew up in that environment. And she went to college and she said one day walking across the college campus, she saw a sign that said, Jesus loves Democrats too. And she said, I remember saying to myself, really? Really? She writes, it was years later that my political views had shifted from my parents' views. Doesn't that always happen? We often shift from our parents' views. And she writes this. She had called her parents and said, I can't vote the way I used to vote. Probably a straight ticket. Her parents, she says, that, she writes this. Though my mom cried, <laughs> though my dad was disappointed, it never once changed how they behaved toward me. They still loved me. They told me so. They were proud of me and they made sure that I, I knew it. They care more about me than they do about my politics. Shouldn't that be true for all of us? Living grace, living doing no harm in a time of tribal politics is hard. It's why we sometimes put in front of you what we call the cathedral covenant. It's a prayer that gives us a framework to say, how do we live our faith? And so we'll put it up, and I'm gonna invite you to pray it out loud with me. And maybe these words can sink in. Let's pray it together. We are all on the journey of discovery all seeking to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. 
We are all learners and all teachers. We all have gifts to share. We work to listen and learn from each other, treating each other with respect and dignity. We are a community of grace and forgiveness, glad for our diversity and differences. Disagreements will come, but we are willing to remain a part of the community and a part of the conversations, so we will not walk out or close our hearts or minds. Amen. Now, I want to give you some work, because in, in her book, Sarah Bauer Anderson, she, she does a whole couple chapters on this. She said, there's a difference between beliefs, convictions, and opinions, and we live in a time where we've confused them. When someone has a different opinion, we, we struggle as if they have a different conviction. So she does a little work, and she says, look, here's a belief. Belief is, is your core principle. It's the hill you'll die on. For us, it would be all means all. For, for me, it would be one must eat ice cream, right? I mean, that's a core principle of life. You go to, well, what's a conviction? Well, a conviction is you, something you feel strong about, something you're willing to, to defend, but you recognize others may have different convictions. So for us, all means all. For us, a conviction would be the pride parade is okay to be a part of. It would have been okay. Someone said to me, why didn't we invite the kids to dance on our stage? I was like, because your pastor wasn't smart enough to think about it. That's a conviction. You might go, wait a minute, I'm not, I have a different understanding. Opinion. So belief, all means all. Belief, we must eat ice cream. Conviction, it should be chocolate right? You may have a different conviction. Opinion, it should be chocolate with some sprinkles and some nuts and in a sugar cone. You may have a different opinion. You may want to change that, challenge that. For us, belief, all people matter to God. Conviction, the pride parade is great to celebrate. The pride moment is great to celebrate. Opinion, the blow up about children and drag was silly and political totally. You may have a different opinion. You may want to push against that. But know the difference between beliefs, convictions, and opinions. Let's pray. God, thank you for this story that challenges us. It's, it's, we're not sure what to do with a silent Jesus in the midst of a bold request of healing. We're thankful, God, that the story resolves we're thankful that healing takes place. We're thankful that you teach us to love beyond the borders, even Canaanite, even pagan, even beyond our expectation. You're willing to recognize faith and partner with faith. Wow. May we be so bold to live like that. May we hunger to do no harm. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you.